Our speaker this morning is Nancy Gibson. I knew her as Nancy Kuchrin. <clears throat> and uh, she is going to be coming speaking. Her office is downstairs uh, across from Brent. Um, and if you are interested in missions, she's one of the people to see because she's actually the director of personnel for global missions right across Canada. So she could either put in a good word for you or <clears throat> a good word for you. So Nancy, come on up. We're looking forward to hearing what God has to say through you to us. Thanks so much, Mark. It is awesome to be here with you today. Usually I'm just listening to what's going on in chapel and I don't get to come and to be with you because I'm often in meetings. So this is my favorite place to be. Chapel at Summit Pacific College is a pretty special place, isn't it? So even when there's papers due and exams coming up and pressures that are weighing on you, this is such a special place to come to be in God's presence, to let him um, fill you with his knowledge, to change your circumstances, to change your perspective, and to set our eyes upon him. Uh, I'm really happy to be able to come and share with you a little bit this morning. I heard that uh, you've been working your way through some of the Proverbs, and so I will uh, share some Proverbs and things that I've learned so far. I was a student here at Summit Pacific College many years ago, although it feels like yesterday, and um, so first of all, before I get started, I just wanted to introduce my family to you, so I've got a picture up here. For those of you who don't know, Brent Gibson is my husband, and uh, he's a teacher here at the college, and these are our three little boys. Our oldest is Elisha, then we have Malachi, and our youngest is Theophilus, who we call Theo. And so this is my family. Um, we didn't get married till we were 35. I never thought that this would be my family. Um, and so I'm so grateful to the Lord for his grace, his blessings, his honoring of dreams that were, you know, cast a long, long time ago here when I was a student in college, and uh, that he has granted us the blessing of a family, life, and ministry together. Um, but today I'm going to be mostly sharing about my life before Brent. You know, life before Brent, I can sort of uh, do it a different time. As Mark said, my last name was Kutrin for many years. So for people who know me, that's my previous life. And I want to share with you some of the lessons that I learned early in my life, some of those foundational years, and then my time here as a student in college. Because those base foundational principles that I've learned are the things that have carried me to the things that I'm doing today. And so I'm going to share with you a little bit of stories. Who loves story time? Yeah. Now, have any of you read the book, Oh, the Places You Go? Yes. So before I graduated here from Summit Pacific College, I'm not reading the book. Don't get super excited. <laughs> um, someone read me that book. And oh, my goodness, you guys. If I had known then the journey and the twists, and the turns, and the ups, and the downs, and the unexpected adventures, and the challenges, and the dark times that God would take me through from that time when I graduated at Summit Pacific College to where I am today. I think I might have been a little bit scared, but guess what? It has been absolutely worth it. Every single moment of every day, God has been so faithful, and I don't think I could have handled knowing it back then. I don't think I could have handled knowing it, but today one of the things I want to talk to you about is that each faith-filled step, 
God is leading you, and he is with you. From Genesis to Revelation, one of the promises that he gives to his people over and over and over again is, I was with you, I am with you, I will be with you. You see that theme throughout scripture when God is talking to his people. I was with you, I am with you, I will be with you. So today when I reflect on the past of how God was with me, I am confident that he is with me today, and I have no idea what's coming. I'm kind of scared sometimes about what's coming next, but I know that he is faithful. And so we're going to turn in the Psalms, and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my story. So I grew up in a Christian family, quite a stable home on Vancouver Island, where we went to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. Has anyone ever been to a Sunday evening service here? Really? Those still happen some places? Wednesday midweek, I went to Sunday school and Sunday morning before church, and then went after midweek to midweek programs. I think there was times that I was learning like five memory verses a week. So if your teacher gives you a scripture to memorize, just one, you can do it. Because when I was like six years old, I was learning five a week. And most of the ones that I learned when I was five, I remember the ones I learned in Bible college. I don't always remember them quite as much. Um, But when I was 10 years old, I went through a little bit of a trauma where my entire family began to implode. And everything that I had learned, I questioned. Where everything I had understood about who God was and about what the identity of my family was, my own personal identity began to be destroyed. I went through a time where we lost our home. We lost our family business. And out of that trauma, my family moved far away far away from all of our support systems, far away from all of our networks, and we went to a place that was very cold and dark. Now, here's something interesting. Before we went, someone stood up in church and said, God is calling a family to a cold and dark place. And you're going to be there because God's going to do something special, and he's going to use every member of your family. And I sat there with my arms crossed, very angry, and I was like, as if that is not going to happen. I'm just angry and sad, and I don't trust anything that's coming from God right now because I don't believe any of it is true. Have any of you been there? Have you, ever, have you ever doubted that all of this is even true? I hit that point at a very young uh, time in my life. Where we moved was a very unique place in Canada, and so I have a picture to represent that. Brent, do you want to bring that up? First, we went to the Northwest Territories and then moved to what is now known as Iqaluit, which is the capital of Nunavut. So when I went there, it was a cold and dark place. The capital city has 3,000 people, and Sunday morning we went to the Pentecostal church, and there was three people. It was a really difficult place. So when I was in the midst of trauma, angry at my family, angry at God, trying to understand who I was and what was going on in this world, I moved to a place that I had been removed from all of my network. And so here's what I did. There was no youth group. (laughs) There was no Christian friends. There was no mentors. There was no internet for Christian TV or resources. The only thing I had was the Bible. So I said, okay, I'm going to dare you, God. I'm going to dare you to prove that you are true. And so I picked up what was then a beautiful, shiny, brand new Bible. And it's quite worn now. And the reason I have it here is not to show off. The reason I have it here is because I want to tell you the word 
transforms lives. Today I have shiny new Bibles, and I've got my iPad, and I've got my phone, and I've got hundreds of different versions of the Bible. But when I pick this book up, I'm reminded that there is power in God's Word, power to transform lives. And so let's turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1, my son, if you accept my words and store my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight and cry out for understanding, if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. When I started this journey, I was suicidal. As a matter of fact, I tried to take my life a number of times. When I ended this journey, my heart was no longer hard. I was no longer angry. But instead, my heart was softened. I had found healing and wholeness and purpose and power and understanding of who I was and what my place was in this world. This word will transform your life. You're here at Bible College, and it's really easy to take this season and this time and to treat this as a textbook, not as the powerful word of God that it is. When you are given an assignment to read a book, it's really easy to read it as fast as you can to check it off or to take shortcuts. But I want to remind you and tell you today that there is no season in your life like this season where you have the opportunity to dig into the word of God and there are no shortcuts to letting the word of God transform your life from the inside out. It will change your perspective. It will change your identity. It will change your purpose. It will heal your heart. It will solve the problems that you have. It will give you wisdom that no friend and no post on the internet and no mentor will ever be able to give you. It is the word of God. And it is powerful, and it is real, and it is alive. And when you go into ministry, give people the word. Don't give them programs. Don't give them your charismatic personality. Don't give them methods and quick tricks. Give them the word of God because it will transform lives. There's a reason why one of the number one Um, goals of missions is getting the word of God in every language for every people in every nation so that they and their heart language have the opportunity to see and to know and to experience the power of the word of God in their lives. We are rich. We have multiple versions accessible to us at all times. There is power in the word of God. Don't ever underestimate the power of God in your life through his word and through the wisdom. The Proverbs go over and over and over and over again talking about wisdom. Wisdom is an attribute of God. It's not just knowledge. It's not just a collection of pieces of information. Wisdom is an attribute of God, and the more we seek him and the more we dig into his word, the more that we begin to understand his heart and to reflect that out in our lives. The other thing that happened as I began to be transformed is I began to love my community. You see, when I first moved there, I was pretty angry and I hated this place that I went. 
I hated everything about it. I hated the cold and I hated the snow. And I hated this small, tiny little church. And I hated having to wear parkas all the time. And I hated being so far away from friends and family. But as God transformed my heart, one of the things that I began to realize was his love, not just for me. This isn't just about personal salvation and personal transformation, but his love for the nations. I have in the front of my Bible something that I keep with me all the time. And it's a list with 97 verses from Genesis to Revelation that talks about God's love for the nations. Because the more I began to understand his love for me and the more I began to experience the power and the transformation of God in my life, the more I began to understand that he never intended me to keep it. He never intended for all of that blessing and love and transformation to be solely for me, but for me to be a vessel through which it would flow to all people. Did you know that there are 3.1 billion people in the world that still don't have access to the gospel that we take for granted? That's a lot of people. Some of those people live in Abbotsford. Some of those people live on the other side of the world. Some of those people live in towns where there's a church on every corner, and some of those people live in a place, in a a country where there's no known believer and no known established church. God loves the nations. John Piper says it this way, To belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations for which he died and for which he will rule. You see, God's mission is something that he invites us into, and it's a wonderful and powerful privilege. And so I came to Summit Pacific College for one year. Where are my Omega people? Yeah. I came to Summit Pacific College to go to college for one year because I was not an academic. And I'm just going to come, do my one year here, and then go on and live the rest of my life. But one day, I was sitting here in chapel. And I was sitting right here. There was a pew, though, not a chair. (laughs) And I was praying, and I was saying, God, what is it that you want me to do with my life? It was kind of popular in those days. Everyone wanted to be a youth pastor. Where's our youth ministries people? There's usually a big crowd. That's awesome. I am not called to youth ministry. I am definitely not called. Andrew, bless you. I am not called to youth ministry. So I was saying, God, what am I going to do with my life? And I knew that I had a heart for the nations, but I still didn't think that there was much that I could do. And sitting right there in that very spot, the Lord, in the end of a chapel, just as we were worshiping, downloaded something so powerful, that's holy ground. Let me tell you. God's going to download some stuff for you. In that spot, I began to see a vision that to this day compels my entire life. And it's in Scripture, but I saw it with my own eyes. It's Revelation 7-9. Standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, there was a multitude from every tribe, from every nation, from every people and from every language, standing before the throne and worshiping God and crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. I knew that I was called to missions, but it's really popular in that day to have what was called a nation of burden or a people of burden. And I didn't have one. 
People came up to me all the time, Nancy, like, where are you going and what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I love every country I've ever gone to. And I look at my map and I can't wait to go to another place. Who has a scratch map with all the places that they've been or want to go? All right. I love that. I love the world. A couple of years ago, I was standing here in this chapel in worship, and I was reminded instantaneously of that moment when at 22 years old, God gave me that vision, and I didn't quite understand it. Today, my job is to listen to what God is saying to people that he's calling into his mission, to get behind them and to send them out to the nations. This last year, we sent seven families globally. Last year, we sent 15 families globally. In the middle of a pandemic, people who are saying, yes, God is speaking to me, and I've been doing it here, and now I'm going to do it there. I'm going to go to those places, and I'm going to go to those nations. When God begins to stir something in your heart, and he begins to speak to you about his love for people, the closer you draw to him, the more you're going to understand his heart. It might be the vulnerable and the lost and the unreached across the street, or it might be across the world, will you say yes? Will you say yes? God's mission is our mission. Now, you might say that's not in the Psalms, and you're right. (laughs) But I had to stick it in there because it's my favorite thing. I do missions. The thing is, is that the Proverbs is all about right living and how to have a good life and all these good principles. But again, it's not just for you. Because if our purpose in this world was to have a good life for us and to glean all of this wisdom so that our life goes smooth and goes well, what would the purpose in that be? Just like the nation of Israel, our purpose is to live a life that would reflect who he is. So when we live the principles of the Psalms, we are living out who God is for the nations not just for ourselves. And so I want to encourage you that God's mission is your mission. Did you know that the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, which is a network of churches all across Canada, Summit Pacific College is part of that, was established over 100 years ago for three reasons. Does anyone know what those three reasons are? To plant churches, to establish theological training institutions. You're you're there, you're at one of them and to send people to the nations who have not heard. They experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit and were so compelled to do these three things. We need to continue to be people on mission here in Canada, to our Jerusalem, to our Judea, to our Samaria, and to our ends of the earth. And so what is your yes? What is your faithful yes to God's mission, to stepping out of your comfort zone so that someone will hear and know, so that one day when you stand at the throne surrounded by that multitude, you know that that person is there because of your obedience and your faithfulness. And the person behind them is there because of their faithfulness and their obedience and the person behind them, so that all people will have the opportunity to know who Jesus is. But there's some stumbling blocks along the way. And so I'm going to show you a really embarrassing photo. Are you ready? This is my freshman photo. Don't you love the braces and the back-combed puffy hair? So here I was. God had downloaded this passion for the nations. 
I had come and had been transformed by the word of God. And God was opening up doors, giving me opportunities. I was stepping into leadership roles. Things were really beginning to take off. Are any of you um, uh, in residents, like uh, what do they call them now? Residence assistants, RAs, RAs, RSs, any RAs, RSs here? Couple of, oh, you guys are like afraid to say that that's what you're doing. <laughs> All right, we've got some RAs and RSs. That's a hard job. I've done it, you guys. All right. Uh, Omega interns. Have we got any Omega interns? Woo, awesome. I was the second Omega intern. Omega interns are amazing, serving so faithfully, help our own Omega students, uh, mentoring them. The opportunities were phenomenal, but guess what? there was a stumbling block that I was totally unaware of. Anyone know what the one that we see throughout the Proverbs is? Pride. I started to feel pretty good about the leadership opportunities that I was given. Pretty good about the doors that were opening in front of me. Pretty good about this call of God upon my life and the passion that I had of preparing to go to the nations, of working with the Omega students and mentoring students in the dorms. But then there came a class. I was also pretty, a pretty good student. I got really good grades, but that's part of the problem. I had a class with Dr. Dave Demchuk. Oh, yeah. It was Greek. I know. And I wanted to be a missionary. And missionaries need to learn languages. And I was terrible at Greek. I walked around with my cards, flipping through them in the cafeteria lineup, and I worked so hard studying on them, and every test I went into, I just did terrible. It was completely undermining my confidence in God's call. It was completely undermining my belief that that's what I was going to be able to do to communicate the gospel in another culture and context and language. And I was afraid of failure. And I hid that fear of failure by cheating on a test. I know. The guilt that I felt after that test was enormous. So I came and cried and snotted all over these stairs to the Lord to try to get it. Lord, I repent. I confess. And then I'd go back to the dorms and it wasn't good enough. And then Elf Dealey came. Ooh, Elf Dealey. And he walked by and he's like, hey, how did that exam go? I saw you cheating. He was, I didn't know this. I now know this. He was totally teasing me. But God had another plan. I went back to my dorms and I realized I have to confess more than just to God. I need to come clean. So then I went to Mark Hawks. Knock, knock, knock with fear and trembling at the door. And I talked to Mark. And he was so gracious. I don't know. He probably doesn't even remember this. But let me tell you a couple of lessons that he learned. Because <laughs> this is super formative for my life. He said a couple of things. He says, don't ever tell me you're never going to do that again because you will. Because all of us are capable of sin. And my, the pride that convinced me that I could never do something like this is exactly why I fell. So then I'm like, all right, you can kick me out of the school. And he's like, no, you're just going to go confess to everyone you lead. That meant all the women in the dorms. It meant all the Omega students. It pretty much meant the entire campus. 
So I went and began to confess. Oh, that was hard, you guys. But let me tell you what happened. There was a move of repentance that began to happen across the entire campus. Mark later told me that he had a lineup at his door. Because you see, integrity and character formation is key to spiritual leadership. And the call that God had put in my life required a test in the area of integrity. Dr. Bobby Clinton, who studies leadership theory and studies why leaders fail and why leaders succeed, he said, integrity is a key developmental piece in the life of a leader. And if you don't learn it once, it's going to come up again and again and again. It's what's going to take you out. So I want to encourage you. What is God talking to you about? Perhaps like me, you don't need to do a public confession, but maybe you need to come clean to God. Accountability is only as good as your ability to be honest with yourself and to be honest before God and to allow him to do his deep work in your life. Integrity is the spiritual key to leadership. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Proverbs 10, 17 says, He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. And Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Guard your life. Don't let the enemy take you out with your own pride. Steward that call on your life. And be willing to do the hard work of allowing God to form your character and to shape you into who he wants you to be so that he can use you. And the next thing I want to talk to you about is living a life that is faithful and faith-filled. When I graduated from Bible college, I didn't have anywhere to go into ministry. All of my friends had jobs, but I hadn't yet found one because I wasn't willing to ruin a youth group in order to be able to do what I was called to do. (laughs) And so initially I just went and I nannied for a little while, and then God opened a door. I began to teach ESL for new immigrants and new refugees. And then the president of the college called me and said, I've got a new position. We want to develop an assistant director of Omega. Will you come to the college and will you continue to pour into Omega students? And I said, yes. And then I took the Omega students on a trip a couple of years later. And when we landed in Romania, God spoke for the first and only time I have heard his voice audibly. And he said, Nancy, I just transplanted your heart. I'm like, Romania? Of all the countries in the world, it's Romania. This is not at all where I thought it would be. But when the Omega students got on the plane and came back to Canada, I joined them, but I left my suitcase in Romania. And then I sent my resignation to Summit Pacific College and my application to POC International Missions. And then my entire world imploded. My dad had a heart attack. My sister-in-law had a blood clot. My roommate died. And on and on it went. And I'm like, God, where were you? How come you spoke to me and now everything's falling apart? And then POC said, yes, you can go, but we're giving you no money. You need to fundraise it all by yourself. And I'm like, what? This is going to be really hard. Be faithful 
and be faith-filled. God met every one of those needs. The day that I left my luggage in Romania, I took a picture and I wrote underneath it, God, I think this is what I heard you say and I'm writing it down because one day I might doubt it. Let me tell you, in my 10 years of serving in Romania, there were a lot of days I looked at that picture and said, I want to forget this because I want out of here. Those words and that picture held me there because I knew that God had spoken, and until he was as clear about me leaving, I knew I needed to be faithful, to be faithful to what he had called and asked me to do, to be faithful to do things that I had never done before. They don't teach you how to buy a goat in Bible college. I've had to buy goats. They don't teach you how to open up. Well, now they do, but they didn't teach me how to start a business in another country. But I had to learn how to do that. They didn't teach me how to get a visa in another country. I had to learn how to do that. They didn't teach me how to raise $100,000. But God did that. In one day, with a 15-minute appointment for someone that I'd never met before and never saw again. Be faith-filled, but be faithful in the small things. I've been a barista and a gas bar attendant and a doula and uh, a chambermaid and a waitress and all of the things that I've done in order to be faithful and to be faith-filled for what it is God had called me and asked me to do. I got to go to Romania and to be involved working with Roma children, seeing transformation in that community. I got to go work with university students on the university campus and see an entire generation that is coming out of communism be transformed so that now teachers and lawyers and doctors, people of influence across the country were transformed by the word of God and now become influential in that country. And then God spoke again. And he said, Nancy, your time in Romania is done. It's time to come back. And I didn't want to leave it. Coming back to Canada was the worst thing in the world to me. It required just as much faith to come back to Canada as it did to go out the first time. But it just so happened God had another plan, and that plan was my husband. And that was totally not on my radar. And so I said yes. But then I'm like, how am I going to be a missionary in Canada? But God had a plan. For the last 10 years, I've been working at training and equipping all of our global workers that are getting ready to go out. And then a year ago, I was asked to step into this role as the director of personnel, where I get the opportunity to empower and to get behind and to support those God is speaking to and those are God is calling, just like me, 20 years ago. Be faithful and be faithful. Filled. And so I want to encourage you today. Proverbs 3, verse 3 to 6 says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Trust the Lord. You know this one well. With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Oh, the places you'll go. The path might be straight to God, but it sure doesn't look straight to me. (laughs) But he has been faithful, 
and he has been good. And I have never been qualified for anything that he's asked me to do. But he has allowed me the honor and the privilege of being a part of his story. So that more people would hear and know the name of Jesus. And so that one day when I stand, it wasn't just because I went. It was because I obeyed. So that every tribe, every nation, every people across the street and around the world have the opportunity to know who Jesus is so that they could worship with me, so that they could sit in a pew like this and let God download to them his call and purpose and intentions for their lives. I'm going to end with this one story. When I was a student here, I had to do an internship. And I also did it in Romania of all places. One of the first things I was asked to do was to teach English to um, a Child Care Plus family. For those of you who don't know, Child Care Plus is a program for ERDO, which is part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. It's a child sponsorship program. And this woman was 18 years old, and she had just given birth to triplets. And I would walk every day and help hold these tiny little babies and teach her English. Three years later, when I moved back to, that, to Romania as a global worker, I continued the friendship with her. And over 10 years, I watched these little girls grow up. I got to take them to youth camp, even though I'm not a youth person. Watch them make a commitment to follow the Lord. Two years ago, I got to travel to Romania and got to meet these young women who are now all married and who are having children. And one of them came to me, and I didn't know this. And she said, Nancy... I'm studying at Bible college, and I'm going to become a missionary. I'm your fruit. Who's your fruit? Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you that you know the name and the story of each person in this room. Lord, I thank you that they have encountered you, that they know your word, that they value your word, and that you have downloaded to them the call and the purpose and the plan for their lives. So, Lord, I pray that they'd be faithful stewards of their time, that they would dig into your word, that they'd be transformed by it, that they would know personally the power of the word of God for their own lives so that they could confidently entrust your word and lead others to it. Lord, I pray for those that you are speaking to and and are helping them to understand your call to the nations for every tribe, people, nation, and tongue here in Canada and around the world. Lord, would they find their place in your mission and be faithful in it. Lord, to those that you're, you're talking to about areas of character and integrity. Lord, I pray that the enemy would not allow them, would not get in there and make them stumble or fall or fail but the privilege and the opportunities that they've been given, the call to leadership that they would be given would not be sidelined. But Lord, I pray that they would come to you and that you would be gentle, that you would be loving, that you would be restorative in their lives, but that, Lord, you would put up those warning signs that would keep them from the things that you have called them to do and from the people you have called them to influence. And Lord, I pray that you would lead them through a process of repentance so that they too would not stumble or fall in their call. And then, Father, I pray for those that are struggling with work that seems meaningless right now, that they would be faithful 
to those who you spoke to a while ago and maybe they haven't heard your voice in a while that you would remind them to be faithful, to those that you've planted big dreams and purposes and call in their life that seem beyond them or that they don't feel qualified for, that they'd be faith-filled. Would you fill each person in this room with faith to believe for the things that you have shown them, that the things that don't even seem possible today would come to reality because they have been faithful and they have been kept their eyes upon you. And Lord, we pray that out of this room, that you would multiply that multitude so that all men would know who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.